Good morning. Well, this morning's message is called Be Transformed, and we're in a series called Know the Why. And before we get going, can I pray? Let's all pray. Father, we thank you for this message, Lord, and your word. Your word is so powerful. Every time we open the word, it ministers to us, it changes us. It has the ability, if we allow it, to transform us. And so, God, I pray this morning that your word speaks to everybody's heart right where they're at. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever found certain verses in in the Bible um, have been pivotal with certain events in your life? Have you ever experienced that? Like there's certain events that you've gone through in your life that you tie a verse to, and it really helped get you through that. Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10, verse 9 and 10, that's one of those for me. Over the last couple of weeks, we kind of zeroed in 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 Romans uh, 10, 9 and 10. I keep going back to that. You know, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. That's one of my favorites. It reminds me of the time that I first heard the gospel, and I did just that. I believed in my heart. I confessed with my mouth, and I was saved. My name was written in God's book for eternal life that day. Another passage that's been pivotal for me, and I think a lot of you here, is found in Romans 12. We're actually starting in Romans chapter 12 this morning. So go ahead and open up your smart device, your Bible, whatever you have. Romans 12, 1 and 2 is what I would call a benchmark or a pivotal passage for so many of us, certainly for me. Starting with verse 1, it says, I appeal to you, Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, listen to this, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Do not be conformed to this world, Paul says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing, by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And and what we see here in those two verses is really a call to commitment, a call to commitment. It's, Paul makes it crystal clear the kind of commitment we're, we're to have. And then there's an application that we see in those two verses. It's funny, last week we went through the entire chapter 11 of Romans. And this morning we're just looking at two verses. Isn't that interesting? Romans 11 was just, the theme of it flowed all the way through, so it didn't make sense to stop. It, we just plowed through it and extracted the truth. But these first two verses in Romans chapter 12 cause us to, to pause and really ponder what's being said. There's, there's clear logical obligation, responsibility in the first verse, and then it comes with what I call application with a promise. I love God's Word. And, and this is a passage that it's nourished me, it can nourish you on your spiritual journey. It doesn't matter if you're a new believer or what I would call a seasoned saint. That's a nice way to say it, right? A seasoned saint. So no no matter where you are on your spiritual journey with the Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 12, 1 and 2 is going to be a blessing. So I want to examine right now and break down these two verses and and just really see how we can apply this. The first thing is the reason for commitment. We see that. And Paul makes it clear. The reason for the commitment that you and I are to have 
toward Jesus Christ is because of the mercies of God. He says it clearly. Look at verse 1. It says, I appeal, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. He, Paul's talking about the mercies of God and that he's described basically in the first 11 chapters, God's mercies. They're radical, and they're, they've saved us. It's a radical salvation. Radical, sinful man was radically lost. How many of you can relate to that? And God provided a radical salvation through a radical Savior. I, I don't know, I'm on that word radical this morning. But Jesus was radical during his time. The religious leaders had much to be against him in their minds because they didn't understand that he was the Messiah. And he was considered radical for his time. So an understanding of Romans 12, 1 and 2 really stirs within each of us a desire to get more committed to the Lord. And listen, Paul's not asking for us to do him a favor. He's not saying, hey, I'm, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, but rather he's stating an obligation. It's not a suggestion. He's not begging us. He's, he's talking about a responsibility, an obligation that every believer has to walk in holiness with the Lord in every area of their life. And so it's linked to what Christ has done, our walk with the Lord, our commitment to the Lord. It's linked to what Jesus has done for us. What, did, what has Jesus done? He's given us forgiveness of sins. He died for us. He sacrificed his life for us, but not just forgiveness of sins. He's given us eternal life. And it's not just that only. It includes forgiveness of sins and eternal life. But the ability to walk in abundant life and, and so much more. Salvation in Christ is an amazing thing. And so the commitment that we have flows out of what Christ has done for us. And the more you and I understand that, the more committed, the more sold out, I guess is a way to say it, that we are with and to and for the Lord. And so... The reason for our commitment is what Jesus has done. But the sacrifice on the cross, taking on our sins, it's what God's Word says, His mercies are new every morning. Amen. When we wake up in the morning, we ought to say, thank you, God, for this morning. Thank you for your mercies that are new today. And then there's some characteristics that I would say apply to the commitment we're to have for Christ. And we see that. In the last half of the verse, it says, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Some of your versions say reasonable expectation. Uh, and this is a commitment, and it has two characteristics to it. It's total, total commitment, and it makes sense. And the Greek Translated to present your bodies, to present that, that phrase, it's a technical term. And keep in mind that Romans was written in Greek originally. And, and it's used for the, the ritual presentation of sacrifice. 
sacrifice what? Your bodies. And it, it's referring to more than skin and bones. It's everything we are. It's in totality. Present your bodies. It's, it's our whole being that we present to the Lord because Jesus gave himself for us. And, and, and it's a sacrifice. And it's described as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. So it's not the idea that you would maybe think of in an Old Testament term where a, a believer's not killed. It's not that kind of sacrifice. But we remain alive. And, and we're also to be holy. And that word holy or sanctified means to be set apart. We're set apart. We're different from the world. And this is a really bold call to commitment. When we're walking, when we've made that decision, I'm going to follow the Lord. I realize I'm not perfect, but I'm going to grow in my journey and my spirituality with the Lord, my relationship with Jesus Christ. And it applies to everyone equally. Some of you might be thinking, well, this, you know, this passage really is applicable to pastors and missionaries. I mean, there are, pastors and missionaries should be 100% committed. The rest of us, it's okay if we kind of float about 40%, right? No, that's not what it says. It applies to everyone. And it's for the, the entire church, the body of Christ, the church. And so the truth is, all believers are called to a total commitment. And I, I know some of you might be thinking, well, that seems a little extreme. It is. It is. I'm glad you thought that because it is. The King James Version, which actually is more accurate in how it represents uh, that last phrase in verse 1, which is your reasonable service. The New Living Translation says which, which, your act of worship. But the King James Version says your reasonable service, your spiritual worship. And the, the root idea of that Greek phrase and wording is the word logikos. Can you say that? Logikos. Sound familiar? It's logical. It's logical because what Jesus did for us, giving his life passionately, he willingly went to the cross to give us life, forgiveness of sins. It just makes sense to me that if God loves me that much, I'm going to serve him. If he's protected me that much, if he's made salvation available for me through his son Jesus, it just makes sense to me. It's logical is what Paul's saying. To be com committed, totally committed to the Lord. So how, halfway commitment, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. You, you can't say, God, I, I'm giving you my whole life. Lord, I'm going to serve you except for this area over here. Except for this relationship over here. Except for this thing I've got going on on the side. That's not total commitment. And, and God knows our heart in that. Halfway commitment to Christ, it's irrational. It's the opposite of what Paul's saying, which is logical. It's irrational to have halfway commitment and to decide or make a decision just to give part of your, your life. You're opening yourself up to a lot of spiritual warfare because what the enemy does is he gets in, he gets like a foot in the door. Have you ever had somebody knock on your door? I know that doesn't happen very often anymore. It's usually a ring, and then they drop the package, and they're off, right? But 
back in the old days, you'd knock on the door, and if somebody wanted to visit you and they didn't feel like you were going to let them in, they put their foot like that so you couldn't close the door, right? Um, I think sometimes that's what happens when we don't fully commit to the Lord. We leave that door open for the enemy to stick his foot in to keep the door cracked so he can come in and mess with us. Does that make sense? And then we open up spiritual doors and windows to demonic activity. Things that we don't see but we certainly can feel when we're under spiritual attack. And boy, believe me, there are a lot of spiritual attacks going on right now. And you know it, you feel it. So halfway commitment uh, really opens up the door for the enemy to work in our lives, and we have to be careful with that. So we, we're looking at the reason for our commitment in Romans 12, 1 and 2 is because of what Christ has done for us, because God's mercies are new every morning. And, and then the characteristics is total commitment. This isn't a halfway deal. It's total commitment. And I realize in, in the language here, if you were to able to read in the original language, and the original languages are so different than English, they're so full. And the implication here is it's a process. I don't want you to be discouraged thinking, well, I, I, I want to be totally committed, and today I'm going to get totally committed. Realize that that's a process of walking and, and being a disciple of Jesus Christ as you grow in the Lord. And that's what the original language tells us. It's a process. But now we turn to the demands of what Paul is saying, the demands of commitment. And notice in verse 2 of Romans 12, there's two guidelines. One is negative and the other one's positive. The negative side of the demand is do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. And the second is positive, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Renewal of your mind. It's that idea, and I know this verbiage may not sit well, but it's the idea of your brain being washed. You know, typically the phrase brainwashed doesn't have positive connotation to it. It's negative. But God's Word transforms it, washes it, cleanses. So in that sense, it's a positive thing. So the negative side of the demand is don't be conformed to this world. Don't fall in line with what the world is doing. The positive side is to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so these are the two sides of, of the commitment that Paul's not suggesting, but he's saying we're obligated to. And so this negative command, do not be conformed to the world, there's a better translation for that text. It, it would say like this, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. And that word pattern is an interesting word. It comes from the Greek word schema. Can you say that? Schema. That word pattern derives from that word schema where we get the word, word scheme. And, and the word world in this particular translation, it's not the word cosmos, world, but it's translated age or era, this passing age, this era. Don't be conformed to what's going on right now, it, it's saying. Let me share with you out of 1 Corinthians 7, 
31, some of the same language Paul used in Romans 12, 1 and 2 is being used in uh, 1 Corinthians 7, 31. It says, those who use the things of the world should not become attached to them. So you have the same language there. For this world, as we know, it will soon pass away. This era, this world that we know, don't be conformed to it. Don't be so attached to the things that so many people are attached to. And then in Galatians chapter 1, verse 4, it says, Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned, in order to rescue us, now listen to this, from this evil world in which we live. Satan is the king of this world. And yet, Jesus is our salvation from this world. Let me read Galatians 1.4 again. Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned. It was all planned out. It wasn't happenstance. It wasn't coincidence. It wasn't plan B. It was plan A. In order to rescue us from this evil, evil world in which we live. And so, our world, this era, it's dominated by Satan. I mean, we can clearly see that. If you've lived any life at all, you can see the things that are going on and, and the things that are recommended and, and, um, by our leaders and leaders of nations, right? It's like, wow, that, that's crazy. And so Paul's words in Romans 12 too, they can be paraphrased this way. I think this makes the case or the point of the case I'm trying to make. Don't be conformed to the schemes of this passing evil age. Don't be conformed to the schemes, the schema, the schemes of this passing evil age. I think everything that presents itself to us, we ought to look at it in, in light of, is this what God wants me to do? Is this, is, is this what God wants me to say? Is this a path that God wants me to take? Is this, is this something, whatever it is that's presenting itself, is this something that God wants me to embrace? Or is it part of the schemes of this passing evil age? Interesting, passing we're not going to be in this evil age, I believe, a whole lot longer. We entered in September into the high holy days. If you'd like to uh, know more about that, you can uh, look up high holy days. And, and our calendar that we have is different than the Hebrew calendar. But it started in September and it rolls all the way through into uh, wintertime. And you have these high holy days, and many believe that Jesus is going to come back during that time, that season. Nobody knows the day or the hour, but we can recognize the season. And we know and we anticipate it feels like it's soon. We know that the day that Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the grave, that started the era of end times. So we've been in, and we live in the end times. Jesus can come back at any moment. We have to be ready. The Bible says be ready. He's going to come back at any moment when you least expect it. That's why I have such motivation to share God's word with you and also tie it 
to what I'm saying to you right now, that be ready. Jesus is going to come back at any moment. You don't want to be left behind. You think it's tough now with all the mandates and the different things, and, and maybe none of that bothers you, and maybe it has affected your work. Maybe it has affected uh, how you have lived in the past. This is nothing what we're going through now. Wait till the rapture comes and those who are left behind all hell will break loose and the Antichrist will be in reign and you won't be able to buy or even sell anything without the mark of the beast. Do you think there's some conditioning going on right now to prepare us for that? I think we've been, uh, there's been conditioning for many, many years and, and, and seasons because as we draw close to the time of the rapture where Jesus raptures his church, his bride... The time and, and all the goings on globally are being prepared for a one world government, the, the, the presentation of the Antichrist, you know, and the mindset. I mean, years ago, maybe you're like me, I used to think, how on earth would anybody get the mark of the beast? I mean, how could you talk somebody into that? Well, it's for the good of mankind, you see. We're all in this together, you see. You hear some of the language? You know, if you really love your neighbor, you'll get the mark of the beast. I mean, these are the kinds of things we hear. We're being programmed. And it's going to happen. And trying to enforce this mark of the beast isn't going to be as hard as what we used to think it was. Of course, if you're a believer and you know anything about the Word of God, you will not get the mark of the beast. And God forbid you're left behind when Jesus comes back. I know this is kind of a scary message for some of you, but I didn't make it up. <laughs> it's in God's Word, and I want you to be prepared. I really do. I want you to be prepared not to be left behind, to be, but to be taken up, to be transformed. It's a painful truth. We can't be afraid to be different from the world. Paul says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That word transformed, it's the idea of metamorphosis, you know, the calipiter turning into a butterfly. But it, it's much, much more deeper than that. It, it's really more in kind with what Peter, James, and John witnessed in Jesus on, on the Mount Transfiguration when they witnessed Jesus transform right before their eyes. And it was so bright. He was so bright, I mean, they could hardly look at him. It's, it's deep like that. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. And so this, you see, is a process as we grow close to the Lord. Uh, we're being transformed not just from the outside, but from the inside out. And how does this happen? Well, that language that Paul uses makes it clear that it's a process and it's got to be done. It's written in a passive imperative. And I know I'm getting technical here, but it opens up the door to an understanding that that transformation is not something that's done through sheer willpower 
I can do it. I can quit this. I can stop that. I, I can do it. I have strong willpower. It's not, it's not that at all. It's passive imperative, meaning it requires someone or something to be involved in our transformation process, transformative process. That something or someone, listen to me, is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that that transforms. Jesus said to his disciples when he had them all gathered after his resurrection, he said, guys, I've got to go. What are you talking about, Jesus? You just rose from the grave. You, 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 you're mirac- you do miracles. We, we want to hang out with you some more. No, I've got to go, guys, because if I don't go, my spirit won't be released. I've got, the Holy Spirit needs to be released. I've got to ascend to the Father. So the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the sweet Holy Spirit can be released to empower us to be powerful witnesses. So when we pray, things happen. When we talk, it's God's Spirit talking through us at those right moments to minister to people. And, and so we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. I love what Kent Hughes says. He says, as we answer the call to commitment, we are called to voice a monumental no to the schemes of this fleeting evil age and a determined yes to the transforming work of the Holy Spirit in renewing our minds. The no without the yes will lead to a life of futile negation. The yes without the no will lead to frustration because Christ will not dwell in Satan's house. Wow. So these aren't suggestions that that are coming from the Apostle Paul, but they're rather commands toward an obligation and a responsibility that you and I have in our walk with Jesus Christ. And then I want to share with you, there's such a beautiful thing going on in verse 2, the results of this kind of commitment that Paul's talking about, this responsibility we have. It's in the final phrase of uh, verse 2, and it reveals the effects of genuine commitment to Jesus Christ, genuine commitment to the Lord, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. Oh my goodness, did you hear that? When we're committed to the Lord and we're walking and we're walking in that sanctified state, holy unto the Lord, filled with the Holy Spirit, there's a promise there. We may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's enormous. That's amazing. A committed life to Jesus Christ has the ability to perceive the very will of God. You're not like that fish that gets caught and breaks away from the lure and is up on the bank flopping around wondering if how well they will do on land or maybe they should go back into the water. When you're able to perceive the will of God, you get clear direction from God. You may not have the full scope of A, B, C, D, turn left, turn right, then it happens this way, but God guides through His Spirit by confirming with peace about doors that open in your life, doors that should be closed. This is an amazing promise that as we commit to the Lord, we're able to perceive the will of God for our life. And thank God we have His word. This is not a guessing game. 
We have God's Word here. God's Word. I don't like reading the Bible. You better start liking it. Yeah, ask God to give you the like and the desire to get into the Word of God. This is God talking to us. Some people say this is a love story from Genesis to Revelation, and you can include maps in there too, right? But it's a love story. This is God's instruction for us on how to live and how to thrive, and not just thrive, but we are more than conquerors. We're not just conquerors through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. We are more than conquerors. That's a beautiful picture, isn't it? So the results of a committed life that's obligated, that's responsible, that says, okay, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit from head to toe. I'm walking with you, Jesus. Empower me. A life that's committed day in and day out begins to be able to perceive the very will of God. Wow. Knowing the right, I wrote this in my notes, knowing the right and pleasing, pleasing things to God and then doing them, knowing what God wants but then doing it is the essence of walking in the will of God. I wrote that for myself just to encourage me. Knowing God's Word is one thing, but then doing God's Word is where it's at. That's the essence of walking in the will of God. That's a blessed life. It's a blessed life that God desires for you. And it doesn't matter where you're at on the spectrum of your spirituality, whether you're a new believer or, as I said earlier, a seasoned saint. Wherever you are in your journey in relationship with the Lord, this starts now if it hasn't already started. This idea, this revelation of being totally committed to the Lord. Wow. Can I pray for you? Will you bow your heads? If you're watching online, bow your heads. If you're listening in the car, please do not bow your head. (laughs) Father, I thank you for Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It's so powerful. And, And we just scratched the surface. Lord, I realize that. The obligation that each one of us have who call ourselves believers is so crystal clear. Paul made it clear through the unction of the Holy Spirit that there's a blessing that comes with commitment to Christ, that we ought not to be uh, conformed to the world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind. We're different. We're just passing through, God. We're, We're not even citizens of this world. We have a heavenly kingdom that we're citizens of. God, help each one of us be mindful of that. Lord, I pray for a spirit of encouragement this morning for those who are struggling. Holy Spirit, minister powerfully in each family, each person individually that's here this morning. As every head is bowed and your eyes are closed, this message may have created a sense of being overwhelmed because you're measuring yourself to a very high standard, God's standard, but you might be measuring or comparing yourself 
to someone that you know, that you esteem, that has a close walk with the Lord. But listen, I want to just put that to rest. You stand with the Lord. You stand with the Lord. And you let God transform you each and every moment of the day. And don't compare. It's not a competition with others. But you stand with the Lord. And watch what God does. Father, as every head is bowed, I pray that you'd impart even more of your spirit upon each one of us, Lord, that we can in fact walk in victory, pleasing to you. Allow us to see the wiles of the enemy and not be tripped up by those or deceived by the wiles of the enemy. And God, probably the most important thing that I could pray Father, is my heart goes out to anyone who doesn't have a relationship with you today. It goes out to that person who maybe started a relationship with you but is not walking with you right now. My heart goes out to that person or that pe- those folks that are listening. And Lord, I pray today the truth of your word would come manifest that today is the day for salvation. If there's someone here who doesn't know the Lord Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, you haven't asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you haven't received the forgiveness of all of your sins that he's made available because of his death and resurrection. Or if you'd like to rededicate your life to the Lord, I'm going to ask you to do something right now. I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me. I'm not asking today anybody to raise their hand indicating that they need to pray this prayer. But I want to give you an opportunity to pray with me to receive Christ. God will forgive you of your sins. You'll have eternal life. But it's got to be more than words, a prayer from the heart. And today might be the day that those of you need to rededicate your life, need to rededicate your life. Pray this prayer with me out loud, would you? wherever you're at. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Thank you, Jesus, for for your forgiveness. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you rose from the grave. I now ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, fill me completely and totally. Now, those of you who are rededicating your life to the Lord, you can pray this prayer. Today, right now, I rededicate my life to you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Listen. I want to congratulate those who gave their heart to Jesus Christ for the first time. I want to welcome you to the family of God. Praise God. If you rededicated your life to the Lord this morning, or you gave your heart to the Lord this morning for the first time, would you do me a favor, whether you're here on campus or online watching, text the word PRAY to the number that you see on the screen. It's 951-783-4277. That'll start a process where I can encourage you in your spiritual walk, and I'd love to do that. If you're here on campus out in the courtyard today, 
we have available to you on the tables out in the courtyard and in the back lobby, there's a, a card that says, My Next Steps. On the back of that is an invitation card that you can use to invite somebody to church. But the side that I want to draw your attention to is the side that says, My Next Steps. The Lord kind of helped us put this together. It's just four steps. I felt the need to have something available to you if you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior or you rededicated your life to the Lord, to have something that you can take to, to kind of like, this is what's next. It's called the next steps, and it's got four things that we encourage you to take part in to help you grow spiritually. Amen? Well, hey, don't forget, on uh, October 22nd, Friday night, we're going to have Nazareth, the comedian. He's going to share with us. I think we're going to have a meal before then out in the courtyard if you want to come. Plan ahead. Put it on your calendar. Excited about that. The Chosen series starts in November. God is moving. And one more thing before we praise God. Can you stand to your feet? If you're outside in the courtyard, go ahead and stand up. Bible tells us in James chapter 1, if there's any sick among you, let them come to the elders, the leaders, the pastors that they can pray for you so you'll receive healing. That's what God's Word says. If you're struggling this morning and you need prayer, you just need some encouragement, maybe you have a praise report or something you want to share with one of the leaders, I'm going to ask our leadership just to be available down here at the altar. We'd love to minister to you this morning. God bless you.